I'm Katie, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you and your family are here, and we would love to get connected with you. One easy way you can do that is text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website, therivertrch.cc, to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. My name is Patrick Picknell. I am the student director here at the River Church, overseeing the 6th to 12th grade ministry. It's such a blessing and honor to be able to gather with you guys this morning to give this sermon. Uh, but I will say this, I think they're going to have to start moving me out of the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day slot because last year, Michigan, really disappointing loss. That was preaching the next day, the Lions, another disappointing loss last night. I think I'm just a bad luck charm or something like that. So I think we're going to have to move me out of that slot. But uh, no, we're so, so excited to be here with you all and very excited for the new year. I hope you guys all had an amazing uh, holiday, amazing Christmas. I know we sure did. My, our son got spoiled by everybody in the family. So we have about a billion and ten toys in our house. So our house is just a giant toy box at the moment, a tiny little place. So trying to figure out where to put all those things. But uh, it was so amazing to gather with you guys last week for Christmas Eve and just love where the Lord is taking our church and so excited for the new year. Uh, but this time of year is that time where we begin to look back on the things that have happened to us, whether it's new people joining our lives or uh, just the wonderful blessings God has given us. But then we also, we look forward in the new year to things that are going to happen to us, whether we're excited about something new or it's a resolution happening Like last year, I was very open and vulnerable of sharing my resolution that I was trying to save money on eating out, Uh, and I'm sad to report that I did not hold up to that, so uh, my bad, I'm definitely not going to say another resolution, don't want that pressure on again, but we're always looking forward to something new, whether that's a new job, a a new kid this next year, maybe it's a new setting that you're going to be in. In our lives, not just in the new year, but most of the time, we're looking forward to the plans we have for our lives and, and what we're hoping God is going to do for us. I know for myself, for this past year, from March 31st to November 17th at 4 p.m., I was looking forward to something so bad. I was looking forward to finally hearing Jasmine say, I do to me, right? I was looking forward to our wedding. We're always looking forward to something. The last few weeks, we have been looking back at the amazing gift that we all received 2,000 years ago. The amazing gift that it was that the Son of God came to earth. The prophecy that Isaiah gave to us and what this child was going to be like. The ruler and creator of the world being born a baby. All the wonderful things that, come with, uh, come, that came when he took the form of a servant when he put flesh on and lived a life in our place, as Philippians 2 says. But today we're going to look forward. We've been looking back at, at what Isaiah prophesied about because this prophecy that we read in Isaiah 9 wasn't just about Jesus being born. The Lord gave him a vision of something even further down the road, the future eternal kingdom of our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It wasn't just the Son of God coming to earth, the child being born to us, 
But God continues it and speaks about this future kingdom that we are all going to experience one day when Jesus returns. And just as Isaiah was looking forward to the time when this child would be born, we also look forward to the same hope of his return. We look forward to that hope of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns again for us. And that is what we're going to do here today as we continue reading in Isaiah 9. Uh, and I'm going to pray first, and then we'll, we'll jump into our verses. So, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this amazing day. I thank you for allowing us this time to gather together. And God, I just pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that moves in here today, that you would penetrate our hearts and help us to worship you more and know more of who you are. We love you. We pray this all in the very precious name of Jesus. Amen. So reading in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We are going to sit on this last verse today that's talking about the throne of David and Jesus coming back to establish this kingdom and ruling it with righteousness and justice. It's a very unique verse as Isaiah gives us such an amazing promise right before it. Right? He's giving us this promise of the child that is coming, of the son of God coming to the earth. And the last few weeks, Pastor Jason has been talking about what this child was going to be like, what, what his character was going to be. We talked about some things such as him being the wonderful counselor, how he was going to be the one who knows exactly what we are going through, exactly what we need, how he's going to be able to care for us in every area. He talked about how he was the strong and mighty God. Not just one of many gods or the strongest of all the gods, but the only mighty God. He talked about how he was the father who is ever close to us, leading us in the way in which we should go, disciplining us and showing us grace and forgiveness. And last week we, last week we talked about how he was the prince who brings us lasting true peace. Not just peace here on earth, but peace with God by dying for our sins. Now, if the promise were to stop here, that would have been wonderful, right? That would have been so amazing, just hearing about how God was sending his son to the earth to die for us, to do all these things for us, showing us unmerited grace and favor and mercy and forgiveness. But God didn't just stop there. The Lord had more to this promise for us. He moved on to the future hope of the throne of David, the kingdom that is going to be established forever. Now, if you're like me, you know, you've been coming to church for a little while or you've been reading your Bible for a bit and you see the throne of David mentioned in the Old and New Testament, and you kind of wonder, what does that mean? Right? As I was reading through this verse this week and I see it in the Old and New Testament, it seems to be a recurring theme that is talked about a recurring theme throughout God's redemptive history of us. And I kind of wonder, like, what, what is the importance of it? What does this signify? What does this mean for us? 
Now, I think in order for us to truly appreciate, to truly understand what Isaiah is prophesying here, what the vision the Lord has given him means, we need to go back to 2 Samuel. Now, we're going to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 through 11. Before we get there, we need to understand what is happening at this point in 2 Samuel. So what's happening here is that David is king of Israel. This is David who slayed Goliath, overcame many foes, described as a man after God's own heart. He is finally king of Israel. And after many battles and the Lord fighting on his side and the Lord showing favor and overcoming their foes, God has granted rest to David and to his kingdom. And what we see here in in chapter seven is David is talking to the prophet Nathan and he says, I wanna build a house for God. He says, "Look look at the house that I'm living in. It's made of wood. It's so nice. I'm dwelling in this massive place. Yet the God I serve and the God I love, he dwells in a tent. The tent that followed them around where they would perform sacrifices and worship God. He says, I, I want to build something. I want to build a house for God to be worshipped in. And the Lord responds in, in such a beautiful way. He responds to this request by saying no at first, which we can all praise God for that at some points in our life, right? Saying no to his request, but giving him a promise that is so much better. And giving him a promise that's going to last forever. And we read that here in verses 10 through 11, starting in 2 Samuel 7. It says this, And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. God responds to David's request to building him this temple by giving him a wonderful promise. Now, what we see here in 2 Samuel 7 is this is the beginning of the covenant or the promise that God is going to make between him and David. And this is where we find out why the throne of David is mentioned so often. It's within this chapter that God establishes this promise to David, where God tells him, this is what I'm going to promise to you and to the generations after you. What God is promising to David here as we begin reading through this is God is promising to David rest for his people. He tells David, there is nothing you can give me. I am God, right? I don't need a house to dwell in. We read other verses in scripture where he says, the earth is my footstool, right? This God doesn't need us to build a house for him to dwell in. He's so much bigger than that. And what he says is, in fact, what you guys need, what the people of Israel needs is rest, ultimate rest in the Lord. Because as we know, the Israelites, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, God's people have been battling with nations. They have been slaves. They have been sojourners. And not only that, but their own sin has kept them from the true blessings that God has for them. Their own sin, as Hebrews 4 tells us, has kept them from this true rest in the Lord. And what God does here 
is that he calls back to the past promises he made to Abraham, to Moses, and to the people of Israel of how he will give them rest. We see this call back in, in Genesis 17, 7 through 8, which says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Exodus 3, 7 through 8, when God makes this promise to Moses, he says, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because they're taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now what these promises signify is not just the conquering of land for Israel. And it's not just about how the people of Israel would be a great nation. Yes, that is absolutely a part of these promises that God has made to them. And we read within the history of the Old Testament that God did overcome nations for them. He did give them land. He did fulfill that side of the promise. But ultimately... What the Lord wants to give to his people is true rest in him. This is what he's promising to David as he says in 2 Samuel 7, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Rest from both the physical enemies we experience and the spiritual enemy, which is sin and death. He is promising that one day this rest is going to come to my people. God is declaring at the beginning of this promise to David that there is coming a day when I will establish this rest, when I will make sure that this rest happens for my people and they will dwell with me secure forever. This is the promise he makes to him, to the Israelites, and to us today. Now continuing in 2 Samuel, we're going to read how this rest will come about. And we're gonna read about it as a kingdom being established. So we continue going in, in verses 12 through 14 of 2 Samuel 7. He says this, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Now, as I was going through this and, and studying through these verses and started hearing the word promise over and over again, it made me think of a question. And it's this, have you ever been given a promise by someone? Someone has made a promise to you and you knew right away whether that was or wasn't going to be fulfilled. You knew right away based on who's given you the promise that it's either gonna happen or it's not gonna happen. I thought of myself here, right? So for me, if you've ever heard me say this, and I apologize, if you hear me promise, I won't forget blank. Odds are, I forgot it. And I said that to you, you if I've said it to you before, you probably said, he's for sure going to forget that. And I'm so thankful for my, my sweet bride, Jasmine, teaching me this amazing new app on the phone called Reminders. 
helping me set it and actually using it, right? Make me sound like an old man over here. But she's actually been teaching me that, right? So I'm getting better at it. But that's an example of a promise that's probably not going to be fulfilled. And again, I apologize if I said that to you and it hasn't happened, right? But I even think about how this is a case where it's kind of funny and you know the promise isn't going to be fulfilled. But there's other cases when unfulfilled promises has really hurt us. Someone you trusted. Someone you, you wanted to, to, for them to make sure they would, they would do that promise. And it's hurt. It's caused trust issues and it's caused you to doubt future promises made by other people. But on the flip side, there are those times when we know that a promise is going to be fulfilled based on who's giving it to us. Another case in my life, I think of when, when Jasmine gave her vows to me. I knew that she was going to honor those before God and before me for the rest of our life. I know that. And she knows the same for me when I gave our vows, that I was going to honor those. And before God and before her, I was going to make sure, I am going to make sure that happens. Or I even think about my mom and dad when they say, I'm going to love you no matter what. I know they're going to do that. I think about when I tell my son, I will do anything for you. I hope he knows that I'm going to do that because of how I've loved him and what I've done for him already. This is the type of promise that David is receiving here. It's the promise given by someone that he knows is going to fulfill it because of the character of who God is. Because of who God is, we can be sure that this promise is going to be fulfilled. And whether you have trust issues because of past unfulfilled promises, you can come to this today. The promise given by God in 2 Samuel and in Isaiah and in Genesis. And you can know and be sure that because of who God is, no matter what's been done to you in the past, this promise will be fulfilled. But with this promise here with David, this is a huge promise. This isn't just a small thing. It's not just land or gold. This is a huge promise. This is the promise of future rest for all of God's people. This is a promise of a kingdom being established forever. How does David know it's going to be fulfilled? Because first, like I said, he knows the character of the one who's giving it. But even more than that, as we read in verses 12 through 14, God's going to be the one who sits on that throne. It's not just going to be another human or another man. God makes it clear, I'm giving you this promise and I'm going to make sure it happens because I'm sitting on the throne. And if God's the one saying it, God's the one doing it, we can be sure that it's going to happen. We can put our hope and trust fully in that knowing that God is going to fulfill that. This is why the throne of David is mentioned so often. And this is why it is so important. It was the promise that through the coming Messiah, God would send his son to bring rest to all his people through the establishment of his kingdom. Now that's when we come back to Isaiah 9-7. This is what the people of Israel would have immediately thought of when Isaiah gave his prophecy. This is immediately what would have came to mind, what they would, they would have called back to And immediately it would have sparked joy in their heart. 
They rejoiced over this because they knew this was the promise of the Savior that they had been waiting for. This was the prophecy that one day they were going to have true rest in God. They would have thought of all those promises of a land flowing with milk and honey. The promise that they would dwell secure in the land they were sojourners in. The promise that God would give them rest in the midst of their enemies. When he would not only overcome our physical enemies, those who afflict us around us, those who are unholy to God, but also our ultimate enemy, which is sin and death. When the throne of David was mentioned, this would have immediately sparked the joy. They would go, this is what God is promising us. We know what this is. So what that means when we read it in order then is that the child who is being born unto us is the Savior. He is the true, righteous, eternal king who will sit on the throne of David forever and give rest to his people. We should have the same joy when we read this. When we read it in Isaiah 9-7, when we read it in 2 Samuel 7 or wherever it is in the Bible, when we talk about it as the throne of David, Jesus establishing that kingdom, we should rejoice in that because what that means for us is that God has given us a promise that one day we will have hope and peace and rest forever. Now Isaiah even gives us a glimpse of what this kingdom will look like a couple chapters later in Isaiah. He gives us some amazing imagery and some really profound things about the kingdom that Jesus is going to establish forever. So in Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, just a couple pages over, Isaiah says this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, real quick there, who is Jesse? Jesse is David's father. So we see that this thread goes all the way back to 2 Samuel 7. We see that this is, there's this connection here that it is through David's blood. And this is what makes the promise so cool that it, it goes all the way through this lineage where we see that God is, is sending the Savior through him. But continuing, he says, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for all the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, 
who shall stand as a signal for all the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is what the perfect kingdom of our Lord and Savior will look like. This isn't just like the literal lamb and and sheep running together, but it's an imagery of what this peace is going to look like. The unending peace that our kingdom of our Lord and Savior will have. He will judge, he will not be a judge like a man, but he will judge with more than what I see and more than what ears hear. He will judge truly and with true justice. He shall have perfect wisdom, perfect understanding, perfect might, and perfect knowledge. There will be no room for violence. And what is so awesome here is that Isaiah uses some crazy examples to give us just a glimpse of how wonderful it's going to be. Right? The cow and the bear grazing together. Things that in our world today, the bear would attack the cow, right? These predators would go after these other ones. And the leopard and a goat lying down together. A wolf and a sheep dwelling together. It is these things that should cause violence. But, but Isaiah is saying, no, it's just going to be peace. There's going to be no room for violence in this kingdom. This is what of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end will look like. This is the truth of the kingdom that is coming again one day. And we even read it in other verses of, of what this future kingdom is described as. Psalm eighty nine fourteen, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. This is the amazing promise that God gives to us in Isaiah 9, 7. This is the promise that we are now looking forward to that a child is coming, the son of God is coming to the earth who came for us, who will be the ransom for our sins, die in our place, rising again so that we can be saved. Yet he is not just going to do that, but he will come back and establish his throne forever where all of his people shall have true and final rest in him. That is the hope of what we have coming for us. That is the significance here in Isaiah 9, 7, as he says, this child, the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace, this baby is going to be the king that enacts this rest forever. Now the question for us is this. What do we do with this now? What do, we, what do we do with this promise? Right? We, so we've learned that the throne of David is important because it signifies rest for God's people. It signifies the promise that God has given to David where he says, I will grant rest to my people forever from all their enemies, from all sin, from all affliction. And as I was studying this passage, that, that's what stood out to me. It was so unique that one day when our Lord establishes his kingdom, and rules for eternity that we will have this final and true rest. But it started making me think about how many of us are longing for that rest. 
how so many of us are longing for that rest in this world. And even just in this Christmas season, right, while a lot of us are excited to celebrate with family, to have that time together, there's still that that burden sometimes of maybe those who we've lost in our life. It's a struggle for us to celebrate the holidays because we don't have those loved ones who used to be with us. Or maybe it's the struggle of broken, broken families, dealing with divorce and all the things that come from that. Or maybe there's a mother and father in here who has worked so hard this Christmas season to give everything to their kids. And you're just tired and, and work is, is causing you to, to long for that rest. Maybe it's not even specifically tied to the Christmas season. Maybe it's those of us in here who struggle with anxiety, depression, stress overload, or whatever it may be, and you're just longing for rest in this world. I think it's something that, that Jasmine and I have been going through recently, and I, and I don't share this to, to do anything of, of promoting us or anything, but our son struggles with special needs. And for those of you in here who, who have kids who have special needs, it, it is hard sometimes try and help them out and navigate their life and learn how to deal with it. Or even just understanding that the struggle that they have, it, it, it hurts us because you just wish you could take it off of them. You just want that rest from this. What I will say to you today is this. Look forward to the promise that God has before us. Look forward to the promise that is given to us in Isaiah 9-7. That just as the Israelites looked forward to the coming birth of the Savior, of the Messiah, we now should look forward to the return of him as king. Looking forward to him and and not focusing on our life, not focusing on the afflictions we go through, the pain we have here, but looking to him that one day we're going to stand before him forever and we're going to praise and we're going to worship and we're going to have peace for all time. And it makes me think of this verse in 2 Corinthians 4. 17 through 18, which says this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Everything we go through in this life, everything is light and momentary. Now I get it. Cancer may not seem light and momentary in the moment. Losing your job may not seem light and momentary in the moment. The everyday battles we go through and the stress and the weight that is put on us doesn't seem light and momentary in the moment. But I promise you this, in light of eternity, it is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow, and forever, when Jesus returns, we are going to praise him. We are going to stand before his throne, and we will have true and ultimate rest forever. And this life, the struggles of this life and the cares of this world will be nothing to us, because all we'll have for eternity is all we'll ever need which is Jesus the King forever. We have a promise that is so much greater than anything that comes to us in this world. And the thing is, if we put our faith and hope in this promise, in the truth that God has sent his son to the world, and that the son of God has lived perfectly on our behalf, 
has died the death we were condemned to die and rose again three days later. We put our faith in that, that we have the promise forever. It is secure in his hands that we will one day have ultimate rest when he establishes his kingdom. And when you start to doubt this future promise, when the cares of this world begin to seem so heavy and the weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders, I'll tell you this, look back on what God has already done. Look back on the amazing things God has done for us. Look back on your personal life and how God has shown you so much grace and the blessings in your life. Look back on what he's done in the scriptures by sending his son to the earth and ask yourself these questions just as David asked in Psalm 78 or 77. Psalm 77, eight through nine. Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Look around and ask yourself, has God's promises come to an end for all time? Read the scriptures. Listen to testimonies of those around you and ask yourself, have these promises really ended? Now I'm sure, I get it, it is hard sometimes to see that. And I can even think of the Israelites, right? Where for seven, some 700 years, the child had not come yet. Isaiah gave his prophecy and it wasn't until 700 years later that it was fulfilled. I'm sure they're probably wondering, where is this? When is this promise gonna be fulfilled? But we know that the child came. We know God sent his son, and we can be sure that God has not ended his promise. He came the first time, and he is going to return again, and he is going to rule with righteousness, with justice, with love, peace, and he's going to give his people rest forever. That is the promise. That is the truth that we hold on to, that we cling to. That is the hope that we need to have. And I will leave you with this promise that Jesus extends to all of us in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some of us in here have never experienced true rest in the Lord. Just as Pastor Jason talked about it last week, we don't have peace with God because of our sin. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's this chasm between us and God and there's nothing that we can do that can ever bridge that gap. No amount of good works, no amount of church attendance, no amount of good things we can do. The only thing that can bring us that peace is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, who died in our place, even though we were deserving of an eternal punishment, and who offers that to us free as a gift of grace. That if we surrender to that, then we will have true peace in the Lord. That is what Jesus is telling us here. He says, come to me. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Nothing else in this world can give you the peace your heart longs for. Nothing else, no one else, can grant you this rest and this peace if only you would surrender and follow Jesus as the Lord of your life. Continue, continue to run back to the one who stepped down from glory to become a baby, who died for our sins on the cross, and who is going to come back for all of us again one day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the many promises you've given us, for sending your son to the world, for him dying on the cross for our sins, and offering that to us freely if we would come to you, we would bow down, we would surrender to you as Lord. And I thank you, God, for the future promise we have, that one day you're going to return, you're going to establish your kingdom, and you're going to give us rest forever. I pray that you would lead us through your Holy Spirit, to come to you and to find that peace and find that rest. Lord, we love you. We pray this all in the very precious name of Jesus. Amen.